This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. What is the meaning of 2008? I mean, of 2016? It means suddenly Mitt Romney, who was the GOAT of 2012, is one of the people everybody is hoping will save America from his party's victory this year. And um, it's just one of the ironies. The Washington Post today pointed out that to talk about the split in the country between the dense, concentrated areas of Democrats and the less um, densely populated, sparse rural areas and small towns populated by people we didn't know were so concerned about how we live in our areas... um, Donald Trump carried 2,600 American counties and Hillary Clinton carried 500 American counties. The 500 counties that were carried by Hillary Clinton have 65% of the industrial output of the United States. The 2,600 that Donald Trump have about a third. So I think when Governor Romney in 2012 talked about the makers and the takers, he got the parties backwards. The, the, the states that were blue in this election are the states that pay all the federal taxes. The states that live a lot off of those taxes are the red states. And that actually is part of the fear of this, this recent wave of immigration. And what I've been worrying about for the last two days is how we will absorb the Hispanic wave and will it, will it take as long as it did with African-Americans after the Civil Rights Revolution or Irish after um, nine, Al Smith, from Al Smith to John Kennedy? And I think the answer is no. Um, Donald Trump got to be president because the Republican Party was so bitterly divided that none of the candidates trying to satisfy the party, the accepted norms of the party, could get a majority from their own voters. Um, Two things hold the party together, the coalitions that we have. One is you get something out of the coalition when you pass bills, and the other part is you all agree that the other side's your enemy. And when you control Congress but not the presidency, you have real troubles deciding what to do because the only way for a congressman or a senator to make themselves a name is to be on the far left or the far right. Elizabeth Warren or Newt Gingrich or somebody who really stands out promising to do things that they can't get 50 votes in their own party to do. So they're selling us dreams and Some of them, everybody in this room believes are practical. Some of them, everybody in this room would believe are totally absurd nonsense that could never happen or they would have already been done. And you can decide which are are realistic and which are stupid or racist or foolish or just economic bankruptcy. And... When you have this, the, the House and all you can do is talk big and try to do radical things, you live off vilifying the other side. You know, you, you, you make them the enemy. You hold hearings. Um, 
when the Republicans win, one of the sayings in the 40s was, we'll open every, every session of Congress with a prayer and end every session with a subpoena. And the last, the last round, the last percent, if you listen to all the discussions of the pollsters, and I was a pollster in five presidential campaigns, Whatever mistakes did or did not get made in the campaign, if the last round of eight days of FBI saying, well, there's more, there's more emails and we haven't searched them yet, and that breaks a longstanding norm that you never do anything in the last 60 days of a campaign, that made just enough difference to, to probably tip it because the four battleground Midwestern states in total were 100,000 votes. But that's, that's another story. The, the Trump victory is because everybody in the Republican Party agreed something had to be done about immigration. The, the hope, the, the, the guts of the party in Florida, the governors in Texas, but not some of the senators, the establishment, the businesses in the party in at least four of the major Hispanic states all believed you needed immigration reform. And it was broken up under President Bush by Brian Bilbray when he beat Francine Busby in a special election in 2005, and he only ran on one thing, stopping immigration. And they came close in 2013 to solving the problem and having some form of amnesty and some form of citizenship and that was broken up first by Senator Cruz, and then when one congressman lost to a Tea Party person in 2014, Eric Cantor and Dave Bratt, who got 30,000 votes, was all it took to win in the Republican primary in Virginia, ran a one-note campaign, and it was trusting Eric Cantor <clears throat> with immigration is like trusting Barack Obama with health care. And that's all, that's all he needed to win, and that was the end of any possibility. Nobody wanted to admit, if everybody, and, and with people like Ted Cruz leading the way, amnesty was ruled out. The party was, was ferocious, no amnesty. And it's the same sentiment. It is not as much a racial sentiment as it is an economic sentiment. It's not, the people are not comfortable in the small towns with the culture change, but they're most terrified of losing Medicare and Social Security. And part of Obamacare, the, America, the Affordable Care Act, whether we like it or not, was redistribution. And the thin line between redistribution and insurance is very blurred when there are ethnic and racial differences. All over this country now, in every metropolitan area, as diversity grows, people spend, are less certain about spending money on roads, parks, and schools. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real phenomenon. <clears throat> and I don't think when you live in California, you're as aware of it as you are in other parts of the country. If, if, if you, I grew up in a Trump world of northern Midwest, although my county voted blue, thank God, still. And living here, I can't imagine going back to a world where the only ethnic cleavage are the Norwegians against the Swedes and the Finns. I mean, it's hard to imagine 
the the difference between that and and the world I love and live in today, but it takes time for the other world to digest it, and especially when there's the concern about jobs and work that was not strong in 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 the in the, in the Democratic campaign this time. Approximately 10 to 15 percent of the people in these areas who voted for Donald Trump voted for Barack Obama in 2012. So don't just say it's all race or they're all racist. It's more complicated. It's a lot of fears about holding on and protecting what they've got and the fact that there are implicit racial issues in, that they're not even aware of sometimes and the worries about the people who come and are not working and are getting some of the benefits that will bleed them and they won't get their Medicare is a, is a concern that's very hard to deal with. And now it's up to the Republicans, it's up to Donald Trump. Paul Ryan traveled the country with a program for Congress. It was a program that the party could agree on, and the party could agree on the Paul Ryan program because he never mentioned the words abortion, immigration, or foreign trade. He said, well, those are divisive. Let's talk about the ones we can agree on. Well, Donald Trump's entire campaign was foreign trade, immigration, and he promised absolutely to nominate um, judges who believed in were pro-life. So the party is badly split. And this happened with the election of Dwight Eisenhower, who the Republican, even though he was a national hero and remembered as one, the Republicans resented and hated Eisenhower being pushed down the throat of the conservatives as much as as much as Trump. I mean, I know it's funny to put Eisenhower and Trump in the same category of anything. And I, Eisenhower fans, I apologize. But they were these outsiders who won despite their party. And the same thing happened really with Jimmy Carter. Eisenhower got two terms. Jimmy Carter got one. Eisenhower did what he had, what Eisenhower did to govern was when he wanted when when he needed an international program over the heads of the conservatives who were, you know, anti-trade, anti-involvement, no United Nations. He did it by completely talking and dealing with Lyndon Johnson, who who then the Democrats in the Senate and the House would save him, and then he in turn gave them their most of their domestic programs as a trade. Donald Trump is already facing total resistance on infrastructure from the anti-spending groups in his own party, and the Democrats have said, we'll deal with you. Now we get into a very interesting trading period of what will he actually be trustworthy on, what kind of things will he deliver, and what can the Democrats stop him on? The notion of total resistance, and you are not my president when you're a senator or congressman, is not going to work. They're going to have to find a way to protect their people in exchange for giving Trump something. I mean, when it comes to new programs, he's just a senator with 16 votes, and that's the difference between an override and something he will sign. Other than that, he can do a lot on the environment by just issuing new regulations, and he can play some games on tariffs. 
But any EPA change takes at least a year for hearings and, and changes to the regulation. So the notion of a total change of the world overnight is not going to happen. And I'm sorry I took longer. Than... Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.